Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. again. Uh, It is Thursday, the 12th of May, 2022. Wow. Um, We have so much to cover this morning. So I'm going to jump right in and I'm recognizing that um, this is like a cold splash of water first thing in the morning. And so uh, brace yourself. Inflation is uh, not just your imagination. Inflation is really real. And although the April numbers indicate signs of leveling off, when you think about leveling off at historically high rates, um, it's still historically high inflation. So what accounted for the April numbers? Airfares rose 18.6% in April. So that's the most on record for a single month. It accounted for about a quarter of the overall surge in the core inflation rate last month. Um, And much of that is related to the cost of fuel, right? So fuel is something that we're all experiencing in terms of rate hikes at the gas pump. Farmers, truckers feeling it especially hard, but, you know, so are those of us who just run errands every day. Um, And when you think about the fuel that farmers and truckers are having to spend on fuel, Um, to get groceries to the places where we buy them and all of the other associated costs related to um, the production of food and its distribution, um, the cost of food is rising. In fact, the Department of Labor released numbers yesterday showing that food prices rose 9.4% compared with a year earlier, one year earlier. So almost a 10% increase in, in just the cost of food. And nothing else, like, right, you know, our our wages aren't rising that fast, right? So food literally costs more, um, and the gas to get to the grocery store to get the food costs more. Delivery services are charging more to deliver food if you are choosing to, you know, go that route. Um, But then also the cost is going up at the restaurants where you would be buying food. Fast food prices up 7%. Full service restaurant prices up 8.7%. Vending machines, vending machines prices up 7.1%. So here are a few thoughts related to that. Your community food bank is in real need. My food pantry here in my community is having a food drive this weekend. So let's be considering people who are on fixed incomes in our neighborhoods, down our street, um, in our congregations. Is there an elderly couple? Is there a single parent family? Is there a family you know or maybe one you could get to know? This is actually a great time to invite people to participate in maybe a block party or some kind of backyard carry-in. You know, bring what you can, contribute what you can. We're all going to feast together kind of a thing. And then if you're in a position to do so, um, like prepackaged leftovers for people to take home. Like think of it in advance as a way of blessing people when they depart from an event. Send them home with another meal. 
um, to have at a later time uh, that you've you've packed in advance, that you've thought about in advance um, people's needs. All right, across the world, a lot going on today. I want to just highlight this one uh, this one headline. Finland, uh, the prime minister and the president of Finland have announced this morning uh, their support for an immediate application for NATO membership. This is a historic decision. It would transform the landscape of the uh, of Europe. And um, it's expected to be followed today by a similar announcement by Sweden. And so this would be the uh, ninth enlargement of NATO since its founding in 1949. But this would be really, really significant because it would dramatically increase NATO's direct border with Russia. And so um, when asked, uh, you know, uh, how how Putin and Russia might respond, Finland's president said they should look in the mirror. They should look in the mirror. Um, all right. So we're going to look in the mirror this morning. We're going to look into the scriptures. We're going to see how scripture informs our life and our life together as we live out our faith in the world that God so loves. Next up or first up, uh, our conversation with Ben Johnson, because, yeah, it's Thursday. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us again today, Ben Johnson. He is the rights writer. Oh, that's where you can find him. You can also find him at dailywire.com. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. So I am reading a piece that uh, you have written at dailywire.com, the mental, emotional, and financial benefits of going to church. Weekly churchgoers are happier, have better relationships, and make more money. I mean, you know, if people needed to be incentivized, here you go. Well, exactly. I, you know, the, the fact that you get to commune with the living God, of course, is the uh, the paramount uh, benefit that we get out of all this. But as it turns out, there are ancillary benefits as well. When we are connected with God spiritually, then every part of our life falls into alignment, and there are benefits that uh, overflow as a result of that. Our cup runneth over when we are in communion with the living God. Uh, part of that is, as you mentioned, is happiness. You know, the uh, Pew Research Center found that people who attend church every week are 36% more likely to be happier than secular people. By the way, the happiness level that people report when they believe but they don't go to church regularly is the same as non-believers. So this is only for people who practice their faith and go to church regularly. By the way, that confirms a study in uh, 2010 by the famous sociologist Robert Putnam, who wrote the book Bowling Alone. Uh, He found that churchgoers build a broad support group from fellow parishioners, and that helps account for their happiness. In fact, the, the benefits are so undeniable that in 2010, NBC ran a headline titled, Happiness is a Crowded Pew. So mm. just happiness in, in itself uh, is, is one reason for us to go to church. We think about um, regular church attendance in terms of um, its impact on children, um, you know, not only in areas of socialization, but also in education. There's some compelling uh, evidence there as well. There absolutely is. You know, people usually associate 
religion with ignorance. It's been that way since the Enlightenment, certainly in, in uh, modern times it's been that way. And the fact is that multiple studies have found the exact opposite is true, particularly for those who are in the uh, lower or what we would call the working class uh, of, uh, of the socioeconomic uh, spectrum. A researcher named Alana Horwitz from uh, Tulane University wrote in the New York Times back in March, she had performed an experiment. She had tracked 3,000 teenagers over the years, and she found that working-class boys who believe in God and go to church every week earn higher grades and, quote, were twice as likely to earn bachelor's degrees as moderately religious or non-religious boys. So particularly those who need it the most, who are, who are on the margins and uh, may, not, may not be uh, as likely to succeed as those in a higher socioeconomic group, they benefit the very most from going to church. So it makes sense. And, and as we mentioned, there are benefits in other areas, relationships, money. Uh, people who, uh, who go to church more often earn more money, about 9% more if they go to church twice as often as those who do not. Uh, the Barna Group found in March that Christians are twice as likely as most adults to say that their relationships are satisfying and that they are content with their relationships. Of course, people who go to church are more likely to volunteer. They're less likely to commit crime. So there are ancillary benefits to the entire community for going to church because you're hearing this positive message. You're receiving wisdom from uh, on high. You're, you're directing your happiness toward uh, the source of all happiness and all joy, who is uh, the life giver, the one who gives us everlasting life and eternal salvation from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. If you guys want to read the whole article, it's at dailywire.com. Ben Johnson our our regular guest here uh, is the author. It is uh, it is on the benefits of going to church, um, the the mental, emotional, and financial benefits of going to church. It's just fantastic. Um, all right, Ben, we got to take a very brief break. When we come back, I would love to spend a little bit of time talking about education uh, in the United States of America, some of the challenges that we're facing, some of the answers people are coming up with. Um, but before we do that, I want you to brief us in on what is happening in Hong Kong. So we're going to take that uh, quick detour to Hong Kong, and then we'll be right back here in the United States of America on the topic of education with Ben Johnson in just a moment. Hey, while you're at Daily Wire, you ought to check out Ben Johnson's piece on how Joe Biden made Christian persecution even worse, not only here in the United States, but in Nigeria, Afghanistan and Iran. Um, Ben, I want to take a quick detour to Hong Kong. Um, What's the headline news there, uh, you know, of the religious liberty sort about which we are concerning ourselves today? Well, this is certainly a concern for religious liberty. The uh, former bishop of Hong Kong a, a, a cardinal by the name of Joseph Zen was arrested. The Chinese officials arrested a 90-year-old bishop, uh, allegedly for violating the national security law. We've talked about that over the years here, that it's extraordinarily draconian. It uh, essentially makes almost any form of dissent a form of treason against the Chinese government. And it allows people who are arrested in Hong Kong, which was supposed to be an independent province, to be tried in the mainland. Uh, that's particularly concerning for Cardinal Zen because he originally was from the mainland. He fled the mainland 70 years ago when the communists took over. Now at the end of his life, uh, as a man of God, he is under the threat of being deported back to his home country and uh, being put in a gulag. Thankfully, he's currently out on bail, but it's ridiculous this arrest was ever made. And to the greatest extent that I've seen, there's been very little comment from our devout Catholic president. 
Yeah, it's it's particularly troubling. I want to talk with you also today about education in America. Schools are facing very serious challenges. Homeschooling is surging. Church-based schools are growing. Um, maybe just, you know, wander around in some of this with us today. Well, wandering around, unfortunately, is what a lot of students are doing right now. Mm. Absenteeism has been a major issue ever since COVID. Um, you know, the pandemic had children at home. We found out that there are so many children either were unable to get on or uh, lacked the resources to get on, or they, they did not get on uh, when they were supposed to be in remote learning. And those who did, didn't retain the knowledge they had. So there's learning loss piling up to begin with. But I, I think one of the biggest problems of the pandemic is it introduced us to ourselves. And what we found was that primarily what we would really like to do deep down is sit on the couch and watch television. So uh, most people watch Netflix. Children didn't go to school. People didn't go to church. And those patterns have continued. And they found particularly concerning uh, when it comes to education. There's an article on a great website called the 74million.com. Uh, the average school day before the pandemic, about 10% of children miss school on any given day. The 74 million uh, says, quote, chronic absenteeism has hit 40% in the nation's two largest districts, New York City and Los Angeles. The Metro Nashville Public School District has a 30% chronic absenteeism rate this year. Uh, teachers have tried luring students back into school with going into housing projects and giving them granola bars. They've paid for their parents' gasoline so they can drive kids to school. They've uh, thankfully begun going to local churches to advertise the benefits uh, of going to that they offer, uh, and particularly the importance of going to school there. So they are doing everything they can to bring students back in. But it's it's a problem that uh, obviously has been created by this pandemic, and it's reordered, rewired the circuitry of the brain in a lot of ways, certainly changed our behavior, not just toward our attitude toward work, as you see so many people do not want to go back to work, uh, not simply toward church. Many people have not gone back to church, but also for young people who never wanted to be in school in the first place, found that they could get by without it. And in too many cases, there's no one at home looking over the shoulder to make sure they get where they need to be. Well, and if 30 or 40 percent of the students aren't in school, I mean, then you look around and you're like, well, nobody's going to be looking for me if I don't show up. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I mean, a part of this is like the contagion of being youthful. And, you know, when one kid starts skipping school, my guess is there's some contagion to that. Um, so, I mean, this is uh, this is a real concern. Um I am energized by what I'm reading and what I'm experiencing in my own community, just in terms of the growth of church-based schools um, and the surge in homeschooling. But I also recognize that homeschooling is only as good as the people doing the homeschooling. And, you know, and that can be a challenge as well. Um, so I, I think there's a real opportunity here for local congregations. I think there's a real opportunity um, for for us to press into what's happening in our local schools or not happening. Um, and then I'm also reading from um, from Heritage that gender curriculum is on its way to classrooms across the country. Unfortunately, you're right, especially in New Jersey. Uh, this is probably the uh, most egregious case where they're talking about teaching gender identity uh, ideology to children as young as first grade. Uh, so you're talking about children who are uh, essentially brand new to uh, to school being taught that gender and sex are two different things, that uh, uh, gender is a feeling and that uh, sex is biology. And just beginning with that kind of a separation, 
going further and further into uh, the rabbit hole as the years go by. In fact, the uh, Board of Education in New Jersey just doubled down this week and refused to reconsider these guidelines, which were adopted during uh, the height of the COVID pandemic when people were more concerned with with other things. Uh, whenever there's an opportunity, uh, you know, the, the social revolutionaries never allow a crisis to go to waste. And so they saw their opportunity. They radicalized the curriculum, and that's going to be coming into public schools in New Jersey. Uh, you know, thankfully, as you say, there are there are alternatives to this. There, for those who are in the public schools, you're able to opt out. But uh, if you're able to opt out of the public schools altogether, obviously there's homeschooling, as you say, which is an option for some, but not necessarily for all. Uh, there are other church-based schools, like uh, uh, one that we just read about this week, uh, Washington Jesuit Academy. Now, admitted, it's it's a, a Jesuit institution, so it's it's a Catholic school, and and some would have uh, an issue with that, but. Uh, it's particularly beneficial in the neighborhood that it's in because it's in Washington, D.C. It's tuition-free. They offer three meals a day. They have counselors, a chaplain, test prep tutors. Uh, some students spend 11 hours a day in the school. In a normal area, I would find that mm. highly concerning, that someone's spending that much time in school and away from home. But it's a welcome development in a distressed area where students don't have an intact family structure. And now you have people who are motivated by the very highest instincts, the highest teachings of, of our, our God to be their brother's keeper. And they are stepping in to fill the void with a message of hope and redemption from the gospel. So uh, in, in cases like that, there are those who are stepping up. And for those who have the opportunity and the resources, schools uh, that are tethered to churches are flourishing right now. If your church has the opportunity to do it, this is a time to step in and reach that void in those 40% of students who are not currently engaged where they need to be. Yeah, it's just incredible. All right, in, the, in a couple of minutes we have left, you have a really interesting piece at dailywire.com um, that sort of answers something that the Washington Post has said. Um, you are an Orthodox Christian, and so when um, the Washington Post says that the Orthodox Church supports abortion rights— what say you, Ben Johnson? Well, I, I was a bit taken aback to learn this about the church to which I belong. I'd always heard the opposite, uh, we, particularly uh, as I was being trained in the ministry. Uh, obviously, the, the Eastern Orthodox Church opposes abortion. We always have. The Christian Church in general has always opposed abortion. We've talked about that on this program, how not only do you have the evidence from, uh, obviously, from the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee, and uh, the the uh, John the Baptist leaping in the uh, womb of Elizabeth when he hears the voice of Jesus Christ and, and other uh, biblical evidence. But then you have the evidence of history for, uh, from beginning at 100 AD with a document called the Didache, which opposes abortion. And I lay some of that out in the article going through uh, church councils in the seventh century and so on and so forth. But we have always opposed abortion. Uh, however, there is a little kernel of truth or a little kernel of concern here which is that uh, the leader of the Greek Orthodox Church in this country, Archbishop Elpidophoros, wonderful Greek name, Elpidophoros, uh, gave a speech at the March for Life this year that was highly ambiguous uh, in terms of its belief. It said that we support, uh, we support life, but then we support women's autonomy and we don't believe in coercion. And then his office retweeted this statement that uh, very heavily implied that he supported abortion rights. So there, there was some, some muddying of the waters going on, whether, whether intentionally on, on his part or certainly on uh, the part of his press office and others online. So there, there was a little bit of confusion. 
The Orthodox Church has never been confused about this. We had four uh, of his brother bishops write a very clear and very charitable letter uh, laying forth the belief that that we have always held life begins at conception and all life should be protected because God passed through all of those stages. He was a zygote. He was an embryo. He was a conceptus. And he grew and developed and sanctified every age of life. And because of that, all life is literally sacred. It's infused uh, with, with the very uh, love of God himself and the spark of divinity from its very first moment. So we believe in protecting that life. We have always said that. And anyone who says anything to the contrary is violating the oldest teachings of Christianity. And particularly for those who are Orthodox, uh, there, there should be some repercussions and some clarity on this issue. All right, now seems like a good time to read you all um, headlines from uh, across the wires right now um, related to the failure of the Senate to pass a bill that would have codified abortion rights. Um, So here they are. Uh, NPR is covering it this way. A bill to codify abortion protections fails in the Senate. The New York Times, how a bill to protect abortion access failed in the Senate Washington Post, Senate vote blocks bill to codify abortion rights. GOP, Manchin, oppose. Reuters, abortion bill fails in U.S. Senate as Supreme Court weighs overturning Roe v. Wade. So there you go. Um, The headline news uh, this morning related to the failure of the U.S. Senate uh, to pass a bill that would have codified abortion in federal law. Um, no one expected it to pass. In my view, it is a uh, it's a stunt related to their desire to affect the outcome of voter turnout in the upcoming midterm elections. Ben Johnson, as always, thank you so much. He's a media reporter for The Daily Wire. You can find what he's writing at DailyWire.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, we got so much um, that we want to be praying for and praying about. If you missed it, I um, have, well, it's it's not like you've missed it, missed it, because it's posted, and so it's sitting there for you to utilize and um, uh, take advantage of. So I did a video um, on how do we practically pray. You often ask questions about practically praying for the concerns of the day. So I did a little video. You can find it at Faith Radio's YouTube channel and on Faith Radio's Facebook page um, on just, you know, how to practically pray about the issues of the day. So utilize it yourself. Share it with others um, if you find it valuable. We spent some time yesterday as a staff at Faith Radio praying for your concerns, the concerns that you shared with us during our um, recent spring fundraiser. And they really fell into a handful of categories, lots of people praying for the salvation of those they love and about um, whom they are concerned, prayers for children and grandchildren and spouses and parents and brothers and sisters and friends and coworkers, um, just asking the Lord to woo people unto himself, particularly those who are prodigal or stiff-necked or hard-hearted. So we're praying with you um, on that front. And that led to prayers also for revival here in our nation and around the world. Prayers for peace, peace of mind, peace of relationships, um, peace in the world. Lots of prayers for peace. Lots of prayer requests for healing um, across a range of um, relationships and subjects and um, kinds of healing. And so we've been praying for miracles, and we've also been praying for what you might consider mundane, but those things that are absolutely 
uh, you know, in the hand of God, like uh, one person just praying for some God to send somebody to give her a ride to church. She wants to be in church and she doesn't have a car and needs a ride. And, um, you know, that might seem like a really mundane thing, but man, I was praying ardently yesterday. Um, you know, just that particular prayer request, that just be such a, um, a grace of God to send someone uh, to give her a ride to church. And, um, and lots of prayers for rain, uh, prayers for rain in South, uh, South and West Texas, pray, prayers for rain um, where it's needed. And then prayers that uh, the, the ground would dry up and um, farmers could plant in places where there's been too much rain. So there you go. Um, we are praying for you. Trust that you're praying for us. We're going to ca- catch up next with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer. She's got glory stories to share with us from the National Day of Prayer held earlier this month. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. Kathy Branzell is back and she is overflowing with uh, gratitude and gladness following the National Day of Prayer. Kathy, good morning. Good morning, friends. How are you? Well, I I am well and um it is well with our soul. Tell yes. us what you um what kind of feedback you've gotten. I know you've been inviting testimonies and glory stories at nationaldayofprayer.org. Um what what have you been hearing from people about the National Day of Prayer? Uh just this overflowing of gratitude and this overwhelming commitment to continue to pray. You know, that's Amen. our message. It's not just the one day, it's every day, just like you are always encouraging people. But uh, really this conviction uh, is, the, it's that's interesting. That's the word we keep hearing over and over again is I was convicted. Um, I got uh, convicted on the National Day of Prayer that I have spent too much time using my mouth for too many things that don't glorify God or change the circumstances don't change hearts, don't change me, but I need to be using my mouth to praise God, to thank God, to, um, like Ian Bounds says, you know, our prayers project our faith on God and God on the world. And we need to be projecting God on the world who changes lives, who changes our circumstances, and um, who deserves all the glory and praise. Mm. I um I love what you have posted at nationaldayofprayer.org just in terms of the overflowing with gratitude um for the thousands of people who helped organize events the tens of thousands of people who participated in events the um uh millions of people who participated um through the live stream at the National Day of Prayer broadcast um, just on and on and on. And then I love how you're not only inviting people to share their um, share their stories, their glory stories, but this invitation to continue to pray. Um, yes. I just I just loved that. So um, again, I mean, you know, f- fill us in uh, on the glory stories because we do love to hear them. Right. Yes. And thank you, Faith Radio, for being such an incredible partner. And, and we are hearing how prayer was caught, how it's changing people's prayer lives. But, you know, one of my favorite stories, which is hard because we are, there are hundreds of them rolling in, but there was a five-year-old girl, five-year-old girl, who got up to pray in Oklahoma um, and started 
pleading with God passionately for souls to pull people out of the fires of hell, for people to know his love, for their souls to be saved. And um, just we are hearing a lot about the passion of the youth, uh, standing on the promises of God, praising him. Uh, we uh, had, uh, I, I just had to giggle because we have to remember that there's all sorts of forms of worship and within the culture. And so on the big island of Hawaii, you know, there were hula dancers at, um, you know, worshiping God in the way that they do um, lovingly. Uh, to so love that story love to hear we thank god for the souls that were saved who heard the gospel for the first time or in a way that it it, it just grabbed their hearts and their attention and the people who put their faith and lives in the hands of jesus on the national day of prayer and they're ready to be discipled and uh, we're grateful for that uh, we had five beautiful, God-glorifying, exalting events in Washington, D.C., over 24 hours, and uh, grateful for all who were there with us, praying for our nation, and then, of course, the broadcast, the comments continue to roll in, the how do I get more involved, keep rolling in, uh, grandparents praying with grandchildren, prodigals coming home, uh, broken relationships being healed. It, it's just astounding. And uh, it shouldn't surprise me in the hands of God, but we are grateful, grateful, grateful. Uh, all glory, all praise, all thanks to God. I love the um, the story about the five-year-old little girl. And it I think it keeps me mindful that, you know, children are literal and they literally yeah. believe in a literal God. They literally believe in a literal heaven and a literal hell. They believe in literal life and literal death. And sometimes it's important for us to remind ourselves, um, right. uh, you know, of the literal truth and yes. to pray in ways that we invite, you know, Christ to take every thought captive. And we do, um, our hearts do plead for people to be um, saved from the literal fire of hell and snatched, um, you know, snatched out of it. Um, it, That's helpful. Those images are helpful um, and provocative. Mm, Yes. And, you know, we, it's fun because as many prayer requests as we get from parents and grandparents, oh, please pray for my children. Uh, Please pray for my grandchildren. They're not walking with the Lord. They're not making good choices. And um, we get prayer requests from children. Please pray for my dad. Please pray for my mom and dad. They fight all the time. Their marriage is in trouble. Um, So-and-so drinks too much. Please pray for my grandparents that they would know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior before they die. And so I love that this now generation that you and I talk about uh, so often, um, they're praying for each other. It's not locked, you know, to one side. Um, You have young people who are praying passionately for their older brothers and sisters in Christ or their their, uh, parents and grandparents who need Jesus. And they know that Jesus is the only one who can change their circumstances, change their lives, and change the destiny, eternal destiny, and earthly destiny of their parents and grandparents. It's so amazing. Mm. 
Um, Kathy, when you invite us to continue to pray, when you invite us to be a praying people, not just on the National Day of Prayer, but a nation uh, of prayerful people every day along the way, um, yep. what's some encouragement in, in terms of the continuing to pray call um, following the National Day of Prayer? Yeah, it really make it daily and make it personal. You know, uh, I pray for you my dear friend. And, and mm-hmm. I pray that your listeners, your audience, when your voice hits their ears and their heart, that they would just pray a blessing over you as they go. That's the every day along the way, as you encounter, as you are on your way somewhere, as you go through, remember we had our, our school challenge. If you see a school bus, pray for education. If you go to buy groceries, pray for those who can't afford groceries right now, pray for farmers, pray for ranchers, Uh, make it personal. Everything that touches your life, everything and everyone that God knits into your life, um, say a prayer for them. And in the seven centers of influence, those who influence you, those um, that you enjoy seeing on the big or little screen, uh, whatever it is, make it personal because that's your prayer assignment. And together, if we all pray, through the day, as as God allows us to experience and encounter people, we will pray for the world. Mm. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, as you um, start preparing, I'm sure for next day's uh, next day's next year's yep. National Day of Prayer, how could we pray for you? Uh, um Right now, we we need some refresh and some strength. Uh, there, there, you know, there's a whole lot of sleep that doesn't happen leading up to National Day of Prayer. Uh, pray for our coordinators that they would continue to uh, mobilize Unified Public Prayer for America every single day in their communities. Uh, pray that we would hear the Lord clearly. Um, we will be announcing next year's theme in September, and so look forward to sharing that with you. But uh, we, it's not about us. We just get to steward and steer this incredible ministry, and we are grateful. Um, But pray that people would continue in a lifestyle of praise, um, exalting the Lord who has established us, and that we would get to see um, some of the results. We would see the hand and heart of God move as we continue to obey and to pray. Lord, may praise stay on our lips every day as we overflow with gratitude um, for the privilege of prayer and for calling us together as a people of prayer. Bless Kathy and the rest of the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Renew their strength. Um, Precious Lord, um, we thank you. Our hearts are glad, and yet we are called to our knees, um, recognizing that um, there is much, there is much in the world um, that needs your attention, and there's no one else to whom we can turn. Uh, you are worthy of all praise, uh, and so let um, let praise be on our lips. In fact, let us be overflowing as we exalt you. Thank you, Jesus. In, uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Kathy, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We just love you. Thank you. Love you guys. The national You just go to nationaldayofprayer.org for ongoing resources. Um, to stimulate and encourage your prayer life. If you've got a glory story to share, glory.story at nationaldayofprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back.
All right, we have a few headlines to discuss together as we seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of our day. And let me just remind you that the only way to do that, the only way that we do this, um, is that we are people who are in the Word of God in order that the Word of God might get into us before we go out there into the world that God so loves to represent Christ. Like, right, that is the only way this works. And so um, let me encourage you to be in the Word of God today. Let the Word of God get into you so that, you know, when the world presses in on you, um, what comes out is going to be grace and truth, right? Because the world is going to press in on us. That is going to happen. And what we're full of is what's going to come out when the world presses in. So, you know, we're all full of something. You're full of it. I mean, I, you're, you are. You're full, you're full of something. So when the world presses in on you today, what's going to come out? Is it going to be the grace and truth of the reality of Christ? Or is it going to be something else? Something less than him? Something other than him? Something contrary to him? Uh, a spirit of antichrist. Like, I don't want that. I want you to exude, I want to exude, and I want to, I want you to exude to others the grace and truth found in Jesus Christ. And in, in order to cultivate that, in order for our lives to be aligned with the likeness of Christ, we got to rely on the Holy Spirit working within us to conform us moment by moment, degree by degree, um, you know, more into the likeness of Christ. And so let me encourage you to cooperate and submit to the Holy Spirit's work today um, within you and feed it. Like, right? Feed it by feasting on the Word of God. Let's get into the Word of God, that the Word of God might get into us, um, that we might be fully equipped for every good work that God has prepared for us in advance to do in the world that He so loves. Like, that's that's who we are and what we're doing. All right, so let's turn to a few headlines and, um, and apply the mind of Christ uh, together. So American drug overdoses have now reached another all-time high. Um, I'm going to read here a couple of sentences from the Wall Street Journal reporting on this. More than 107,000 people in the United States died from drug overdoses last year. Okay, that's 107,000 individuals. It's also 107,000 families. That's a lot of people. Um, The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention data was released yesterday. It showed a 15% increase from 2020 to 2021. Um, and uh, many, many, many of these deaths are related to these potent synthetic opioids, one of which is fentanyl. Um, and then they also point to the destabilizing effects of COVID-19 um, because there were lots of folks that could no longer participate in um, drug treatment programs or groups. And so... Um, the United States has now recorded more than a million overdose deaths since the year 2000. So in, in 21 years, because obviously we don't have numbers for 2022 yet, but in 21 years, the United States um, has lost a million people to drug overdose. We have an epidemic. It is real. Um, and, and we as Christians have to intervene and so are you engaged in this conversation? Are you pressing in on this topic? Um, uh, uh, do you have addiction recovery services offered at your church? Are you helping your pastor be equipped on this front? Um, are you being equipped on this front? Um, we pray ardently. We know that there are lots of families affected by drug addiction and obviously drug overdose as well. And so let's be lifting each other up. Let's be praying ardently. Let's be recognizing 
that drug addiction is something that actually knows no socioeconomic or religious boundaries. It just doesn't. It affects everybody. Um, and so let's be cognizant of that. Let's be gracious um, and let's press into one another's lives on that particular top topic. Um, then we have this issue of incivility, a growing incivility in our country. Um, and I, I'm going to point to the not just the protests that, you know, people are protesting what they anticipate is going to be a ruling of the Supreme Court, which will come out in June related to um, abortion access that specifically related to a case referred to as Dobbs out of Mississippi, um, the Mississippi law, which restricts abortion um, after 15 weeks of pregnancy. And, you know, the expectation is based on a leaked draft of an opinion written by Justice Alito, um, the expectation is that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which was a 1973 decision that expanded abortion access across the United States of America and um, and changed the way that abortion was accessed, which was state by state and every state made its own rules. And so if Roe is overturned, we will return to that pattern where every state um, will have its own rules related to abortion access um, for women within um, their state. So it's a disagreement over morality. I mean, there's a moral argument to be made here. There's a policy argument to be made here. Um, But when did disagreements over policy um, become a threat to civil society? Because that's that's where it feels like we've landed right now. Um, When you see people protesting at the homes of Supreme Court justices, when you see people protesting um, at the home of uh, Nancy Pelosi, um, pro-abortion activists are protesting at the home of Nancy Pelosi, in addition to protesting at the homes of Supreme Court justices, um, in addition to rightly protesting, you know, in front of uh, the U.S. Capitol and in front of the Supreme Court. There is now fencing around the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't know that that's ever happened before. Um, There's an eight foot fence and police protection uh, around the Supreme Court, the justices and now their family members as well. Um, This is a conversation about civility and the normal restraints upon personal behavior um, and political speech. And we need to be having this conversation um, as as the people of God. We need to be pressing into this. Um, We need to be acknowledging that we have reached a point in our culture where people have forgotten how to behave in ways that are civil toward one another. And we're going to have to figure out how to reteach, recultivate those basic norms of civility in the culture. You and I ought to be able to talk about anything. I mean, from from the most absurd and difficult things to talk about to that which is most joyful and mysterious. We, we ought to be able to talk with one another and we ought to be able to degree, uh, to disagree in, um, you know, in ways that honor one another's humanity. 
uh, trust me, there are things you would disagree with me about if we, you know, had a long enough period of time to sit down and just, you know, chew the fat over every topic under the sun. We would find places where we disagree. Um, But, you know, hopefully we would do so in a way that allowed enough space for us to come back together the next day and talk about other stuff or maybe continue to talk about that. So um, my encouragement today is take a deep breath. Wait three seconds before you say anything to anyone about a, you know, a hot topic uh, or offer your hot take um, and and see whether or not the debate of the day is, first of all, worth having. Is it even worth having? And if it's worth having, how would God lead you to engage in that particular conversation as a representative of Jesus Christ? Acknowledging that, you know what, there were some things that Jesus didn't even dignify with a response. But he did ask a lot of really good provocative questions. So invite people to tell you more and find ways to ask them open-ended questions uh, that get beyond the talking points. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. We'll be right back. All right. I uh, love the interaction on the text line this morning. Remember, you can text me anything at any time. The number is 877-933-2484. Mary Rose makes this observation uh, about, you know, let us remember that the heart of God is reaching out to those people with whom we disagree. And sometimes we end up being his hands and feet and heart in their midst. Yes. Amen. Amen. And amen uh, to that. Um, God has got you right where he wants you today. In that moment, be his person, his agent of grace, minister of reconciliation. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.